G'day, everybody. It's time for Lucas Holmes and David Ridden with our AFL podcast. First of all, it's a welcome to journalist and sports sports broadcaster and podcaster, Lucas James Holmes. Hello, Louis. Uh, good afternoon, David. Afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. You, you and me three days in a row talking football. God help us all. Um, the voice might be uh, interesting. The voice isn't too tired. First of all, thank you for your time over the weekend. It's great sp- uh, spending two days in the commentary box with you. It was really, really enjoyable and saw a very impressive Manly side yesterday and an impressive St George side as well on Saturday. But it was a, it was a great weekend of footy, actually, to be there. Yeah, getting right to the pointy end of the season, uh, round 18, AFL Sydney in the Premier Division men's was more was another elimination final. Their final series proper gets what gets underway this weekend, David, and women's Premier Division prelim final. We'll preview those towards the end of our podcast. So looking forward to that as well. A famous former football show host used to get on, and he may or may not have been the president of Lucas's football club. He'd come on every week and say that's been a big week in football. Well. I think it's been a big 48 hours in football, particularly at Tullamarine. Lucas, before we go and look at fixtures and a couple of different looks at the Brownlow medal count, I've got two different predictors tonight for a little bit of a little bit of balance. Lucas, let's go to the news. Lots happening at the hangar at Tullamarine. In fact, lots and lots and lots. And uh, some very interesting questions coming out of the hangar. Uh, and for those of you that aren't aware, the hangar and Tullamarine are references to the Essendon Football Club home training base in the footsteps of Tullamarine Airport. Lucas, um, I've seen a lot of information today. Ben Rutten's still the coach there. Please take us away. He, he, he is for now, David, that's for sure. Um, three OWs, Neil Mitchell came out in the last few hours um, and reported that Essendon had let go of coach Ben Rutten. That, that was rebuffed in the last hour or two by, by Essendon themselves that Rutten is still the coach. This is after Essendon's 84-point loss to Port Adelaide on the weekend. Um, the, the board and the management met twice in a matter of 24 to 48 hours, just trying to get some things under control in that period of time as well. Essendon now have a new president, David, as well. So uh, Paul Brasher goes by the wayside. He's been a president there at Essendon for a long period of time. And there's also talks about a formal approach to Alistair Clarkson as well. So all things happening at Essendon. And that comes after... Caroline Wilson reported that Alistair Clarkson may have a decision on his future before the end of the home and away season. So plenty to go through there with Brasher, with Rutten and with Clarkson too in the next week or so. Essendon have a massive fan base, second only to your Collingwood across Australia. I'd suggest they're the second biggest supported football club of any code in Australia, Lucas James. I think that is relevant. Um, Now, I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to give an opinion here. Your Alistair Clarkson and his management... You've been in discussions more than once with the North at Arden Street at Sydney Olympic Park as well. Yep. Lucas, put yourself in the spot and I'll answer this question as well. Yeah. You're Alex, Alistair Clarkson and you're given the choice of working out of Arden Street, Tullamarine or Sydney Olympic Park. Right now, where do you go? Where would you go if you were Clarkson? I, 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 I'd, be, I'd be seriously considering the Giants, David, for me at the moment. I think North Melbourne, it depends on Clarkson if he wants to go through a full rebuild. There's all, all the talk with Jason Horn Francis. He was admitted on the weekend, didn't play AFL level at all. So that further shows to me that he'll be heading home to South Australia in, in no time at all. Um, if, he, if he were to go to Essendon to David, the, the media scrutiny would be immediately there. Um, their fans, and rightly so, 
having that expectation of premierships, seeing that they're, they're the joint record holder for premierships in the V slash AFL area era with 16 alongside the Carlton Football Club. So there'd be immediate expectations there. They've got some young talent. They've got some experienced players as well. As well with the talk of Dyson Heppel that was rebuffed slightly last week heading north to the Gold Coast on a four-year deal joint in playing and coaching. So it looks like Heppel may stay around in the, in the short term. But for me at the moment, if I were Alistair Clarkson, I'd be seriously looking at Sydney Olympic Park and Tramway Oval, David. Okay. That's an interesting point. I don't think North... Now that Essendon's a possibility, okay, they've moved the president on, the new guy, a guy called David Barham or Barham, depending on which part of New South Wales you come from, is a, a high, highly thought of media guy. I actually think that this today changes things. Oh, the, if Carolyn Wilson has unbelievable sources, they're not quite impeccable, but they're as close to impeccable, Lucas, as anyone in the AFL. Is that a fair... Now that Mike Sheen's retired, would that be a fair statement? Oh, I, I believe so, David. She's right up there. She's no longer and hasn't been for a number of years sort of in the chief footy writer's role no. at the age, but she's as close as to you get. And she has many um, connections around the league, particularly with the Richmond Football Club, where her father was a president for a period of time there in the 20th century. And she'll be the first person to write if Brendan Gale gets sounded out to, to replace Gillan McLaughlin. Yeah. Okay. I think that Clarkson may have been on his way to Arden Street. But I think that today, and the reason I say this, it's a very big, when you're settled in Melbourne, GWS provides a lot of things, basically anonymity. There are very few people in Sydney outside the AFL world who could identify John Longmire or Callum Mills or Chad Warner or Isaac Heaney walking down the street. Lance Franklin's the notable exception. I would suggest to you right now that there are no GWS players who would be recognised at all in general Sydney populace. A Giants player could go to a, a Wallabies game or an NRL game or a Sydney FC game, hopefully when they get belted by the Mariners, and no one would know anything about it. So if Clarkson wants to come and quietly do his job, yep, okay. And there are some, there's some reasonable talent at GWS, to be fair. They do have some gaps, but there's some talent. I think today changes things dramatically. Whilst Hawthorne and Essendon are mortal enemies, Lucas, I think that Essendon is a far better proposition than North Melbourne right now. Now, Essendon got pogoed because they were soft yesterday. At times this year, they've been soft, but they actually have some players. One you could certainly build around is Draper. Draper's going to be an elite footballer. Okay. He's, he's, now that's just my thing. So I think yeah. he's going to go to Essendon. Over to you. Yeah. Draper's the one at the moment, David. Obviously, there, there's some history with Clarkson and North Melbourne through playing careers and things like that. But it's all to do with Clarkson. And, and he's, he, he said this in the past. There's actually quite a good podcast that Alistair Nicholson does, a journalist and quite a good uh, AFL and sport in general commentator does it at the time going through um, AFL and Tasmania in the lead up to the, their potential 19th license and there is an interview in there with Alistair Clarkson um, and you're shaking your head in the background. I know where you're coming from there, but he, he goes through all those things if he would like to return to coaching again and things like that. So it's definitely there for Clark for Clarkson if you would like it. 
North Melbourne, obviously with the links. But as you said, there was talk with Clarkson to Eston throughout the season prior to this, David. It's probably towards the middle and back half of the season. But as you said, this definitely throws a spanner into the works. I quite agree with you there that if he's going through to try and not that Clarkson would go under the radar, but to stay out of the public spotlight, the the Giants would be the choice. But if I had the choice between Essendon and North Melbourne, I think 99 out of 100 people would select Essendon at the moment, hands down. Essendon's got a purpose-built training facility. They're loaded. They've got a massive membership. And with that comes a lot of pressure. He doesn't have to leave Melbourne, doesn't have to uproot and leave. North Melbourne's a diabolical mess. There are some good young players, let's be fair. There are some good young players at North Melbourne. I'm not going to criticise. There's certainly some guys there that can play. Yeah. The, um, the, issue with, the issue with North Melbourne too, David, I'm not sure if I've spoken about this recently. It's it's bridging that age gap. You've got your older players, your Cunnington. Great to see him return to AFL level on the weekend. 300, 385 days without a... AFL game, you've got your Goldsteins, but they're right in the twilight of their careers. They let Robbie Tarrant walk for next to nothing to Richmond last season. But then you've got your young players, your Aaron Halls, your Jai Simpkins, your Camp Zerhars and players like that who was in the trade block. But you've got no one in that sort of 24 to 27 age bracket at the moment. How how old are Larky and Uniaki? Uniaki had an outstanding game. I think he had 37 touches on the weekend. Yeah, that, that, that's why I'm asking because he's yeah. the future. Jack Zeebel's in the second half of his career. His career. He's the one, another one as well. I'll look at that for you very quickly whilst we move so, on. Look, so your your thoughts are to the Giants, which would make me very happy, obviously, being a giant, uh, an outer Giants person. Um, uh, I think Essendon is now a real show because there's no money won't stop Essendon. Money will not stop them. Um, and that's just where I am at the moment with that. Yeah, go, 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 go. Uh, this is our uh, podcast, yeah. mate. You just say what you need to, mate. No, it's right. Larky, 24 years of age. Luke Davies, Uniac, 23. So Davies, Uniac, he's been in the system for a while and he's starting to play really consistent footy. He may actually win their BNF. Yeah, he'd go real close. Uh, yes, yeah, he would. Aaron, yeah, Aaron, Aaron Hall or... Yep. Yeah, Davies Uniac for me at, at this stage. Yeah, and Lucas was referring to it. He was talking about Tasmania. I don't think they're going to go to Tasmania because you know what? I don't think that the Tasmanian government has $750 million to spend on a retractable roof stadium on the river of the Derwent, given the way the world is at the moment. Premier Perrottet in New South Wales has just pulled the funding on Leichhardt, Shark Park and, and Endeavour Field and Brookvale Oval because they don't have the money and there's other things to spend in New South Wales like a whole city in Lismore. Yep. And I don't think the Tasmanian government has the money or the corporate support to do it. I think there's more of a chance of there being a side in Canberra or in Darwin, to be quite honest with you, or even Cairns. I think they, those three are more likely. And they announced last week too, David, may have been last week or the week before that that stadium, if it were to be built, the $750 million figure they're talking about wouldn't be part of the bid either. Um, so that'll throw a further spanner into the works as well. If you'd have to go to Bell Reeve or down to Utah's at the moment, down to York Park. Well, the, yeah, this is the thing. Launceston's about the same size as Maitland. Launceston's not a very big place. I mean, it's a good city. It's the second city of Tasmania. Hobart's in that Geelong, Newcastle, Wollongong sort of sphere. as a couple of hundred thousand Darwin. They're all reasonably similar sized. The smallest city in Australia that hosts an AFL side probably the Gold Coast. All right. 
And I just don't think it's going to happen. I think you're a better chance of the ACT government building a new stadium in Canberra or them going and expanding Marara or playing some games up there or at Cairns. Again, they're not big. Darwin's a reasonable size. And Darwin does open an opportunity to tap into an absolute minefield of Indigenous footballers and it gives them a pathway. Yeah, Tiwi Islands and the like. Oh, help me. Yeah. Yeah. So, look, I don't think I will see a Tasmanian side in the AFL. I don't think we'll see one before at least 2030. There you go. I'll make the statement. I'm still not convinced of where the Giants are going to end up. But I do think that if there's going to be a new franchise, which I don't think is sustainable now, I don't think there's enough players playing football. When Sydney continues to develop its football, then you may have an opportunity to have more people playing, especially north of the Murrumbidgee River. That's the key. If you have more people north of the Murrumbidgee playing Australian rules, and we do, you, you and I both see how Sydney football is the biggest community football league in Australia. It's got 17 divisions. Uh, but no, I'm I'm of the thinking that 18, I still think 18 is too many. I don't think they'll go to 19. They will not get the deal done in Tasmania. The only way it will happen is if someone goes, and they don't want that, actually. They yeah. do not want that happening. Well, and the issue with if you were to go to 19, I think you'd have to go to 20 fairly quickly as well to even it out. There's been some talk the last few weeks with certain uh, com- commercial TV stations and streaming partners going for some new AFL um, AFL commercial television rights and the like, which will sort of be the last string in Gillan McLaughlin's bow before he departs the AFL at the end of the year as well. Yeah, and what you could do is you could actually have not, uh, if you had 20 teams, you have 19 games, so you play everybody once, and then the, the teams in the Adelaide and Perth teams play each other once more, and the Sydney and, and Queensland sides play each other once more, and the Victorian sides play each other once more or a couple of times, so you get your games in a little bit less travel and do it that way, and then you've got a 22-game season. Um, and you'd include in that Essendon and Collingwood twice, Melbourne and Collingwood twice, and probably Richmond or Carlton and Collingwood twice. And Carlton, then, for sure, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, look, it's very interesting times with that. It's sort of been a, a wide-ranging conversation before we go to last week's fixtures, which we won't spend much time on. Um, and we'll talk about the Brownlow and then next week, this coming week's fixtures. But lots of things happening. The Alistair Clarkson watch is fascinating. And I think we'll know by the end of the week. I really do. Um, and if Rutten's been moved, given the grooming they put in him into him yeah. with Woosher and so forth, I, I reckon Clarkson's heading there. But anyway... You happy with that, Lucas? Anything else you wanted to talk about with 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 important news? I know there are a couple of key injuries at Collingwood, but that's football related. Yeah, this is off the park related. So you ready to go and talk footy? We sure are. Add that to the list of some infamous uh, takeover um, that we've had in the last decade and a half of AFL football. David Buckley, Malthouse, and the like, Warsfold and Rutten. Now, and there's been others in the past as well in different codes. There have been. The Goodwin Ruse one was managed perfectly. That was good, yeah. And Ruse came in and gave them a defensive structure. They groomed the good one and they've got a premiership out of it. And remember, Melbourne were a basket case a few years ago when they had Dean Bailey and Mark Neal, the poor buggers, and they got beat by 180 points, I think it was, at Cadenia Park one day. Okay, results from last weekend. Friday Night Football, the Lions hung on. Um, St Kilda, 9-12-66, Brisbane, 12-9-81. In a very tight game of football, Lucas and I were monitoring this at Mike Kenny Oval. The Western Bulldogs just held on to the final, their, their faint hopes of the finals. 9-8-62, the Giants, 8-9-57. 
Adelaide 15-13, North 10-14. Geelong 18-11, just keep on motoring. Gold Coast 9-5. In an absolutely thrilling finish, which Lucas and I actually had a bit of a look at while we were at Henson Park yesterday. Melbourne 11-13 with a goal about 10 seconds from full time by Keziah Pickett. Uh, Melbourne 11-13, Carlton 10-14, and Carlton's in a bit of strife, let me tell you. From Andal in a doer derby at Optus Stadium, they still won. And they're, at least they're winning from Andal, 9-17-7-5. And I've got to give credit to the West Coast Eagles. They've had a bit of a crack in the last six or seven weeks. They have not been a diabolical football side. They've been a below-average football side. And for them, that's, that's applauded. Richmond looking a little bit dangerous. 20 goals, eight, magnificent shooting. Hawthorne, 9-13, with Tom Lynch kicking eight. Sydney and Collingwood, Sydney 11-11, Collingwood 7-8. Collingwood were tired. Sydney played very good football, let me tell you. And then in the afternoon game, and this has been the catalyst, clearly, for a, a very busy last 24 hours for the directors of Essendon. Port Adelaide, 23 goals, eight. Essendon, nine goals, eight. Louis, where do you want to start? Yeah, it's a big one. Just quickly on that. Essendon Port Adelaide game that was played in the twilight. Um, goal shared in that game too. Sam Palpepper kicked four butters. Georgiardi's three each, three each, excuse me. Uh, shining light there. Massimo D'Ambrosio for Essendon, the mid-season draft pick. He's come on leaps and bounds as well. So that started the mayhem there in the last 48 hours there, there at the hangar as well. But I think we all, we all should start there at Melbourne and Carlton on Saturday night. Oh. What a game that was. It was, and there's been so many great games over the last five and six, which would you expect from the best um, football competition in Australia. Carlton played very good football for all but one minute, and there was a terrific analysis done by Kane Corns yesterday of Carlton flooding people back, but then just losing their way a little bit, and they should have held on to the football. They couldn't. Melbourne did a great job. They let Pickett go free at a, at a, at a crumbing, and all of a sudden they've lost. They win that. They hold on. They're in the finals, and the finals are set. Now they've got to hope that the Western Bulldogs don't pogo Hawthorne, and they've also got to hope that cut that Collingwood, possibly without Jordan to go in, definitely without Jack Gidevin, um, don't beat them. So Carlton, after being eight and two, could barrel out the finals. Our Chief Sanzipin will be filthy, Sammy uh, Lucas, on Saturday Sunday afternoon if they get they go get resolved. But a great game of football. Melbourne did enough to win just, and I mean just, and they're still in the top four. They sure did. David Angus Brayshaw was superb. He had 38 disposals, four tackles, 12 clearances. Clayton Oliver, 29 disposals, nine tackles, six clearances. And for Carlton, they shifted Sam Doherty um, due to some injury concerns around the park. Adam Cherub was a late out on Saturday evening for Carlton, excuse me, the, you'd expect him to be back next week too, David. They might even push Zach Williams, who hasn't played for around th uh, three months with a high-grade uh, soft tissue hamstring injury. He, has, he hasn't played uh, He hasn't played since that game against the Giants earlier in the season. So Williams and Chera, they'll push. Chera is more than likely. Uh, Williams, I'll give every last opportunity to. And I'll tell you now, David, Jack Ginnivan will not play. Um next Sunday afternoon, and they think Jordan Ngoi with that hip flexor will, will come up and be right for that mouthwater and clash that will almost uh, see out round 23, the end of the home and away season in the Australian Football League. Yes, that hip flexor is not good in, in his case. Um, 
And we'll just have to wait and see how Dugowie's going. I think they've been very careful with it. Yeah, Ginnivan's no chance with what apparently is a lightish hamstring, hamstring yeah. strain. Ham, hamstring tightness, they term David, was a hot, like higher up on the hamstring. So they'll give him every opportunity to rest. Uh, and in, keeping in mind that I have the uh, pre-finals by, which will also impact Fremantle with R- Rory Lobb touch and go. You'd think they'd uh, rest him against his old side in JWS, still trying to manage that shoulder injury. And with Nathaniel Fife still battling back from a hamstring two that week off, we'll do Fremantle a world of good going forward. The only interesting thing about Gold Coast and Geelong was that Tuke Miller got 36 touches, and I'll tell you why in a minute. 36, he got 133 match review uh, match match data points. Freo at Dow win, they won. Richmond, very good. Tom Lynch kicking eight. Fantastic, and they're just running into a bit of form. It's going to be hard for Richmond, but if anyone can do it, they can. Sydney, an excellent defensive performance against Collingwood. Don't think the Collingwood fans could be too disappointed. They've been outstanding. They've got themselves into the finals. And Sydney are now second one. I'll go to the later in a second. And as we said, um, the Dogs and Carlton. That I think Lucas told me the last goal was in the 13th minute of the last quarter from Eugle Hagen, which is absolutely quite remarkable. So let's go to the ladder. And this is what it looks like. There are nine sides that can make the eight. Seven of them are set. And there's two other sides that can make the eight. So Geelong will be minor premiers. They are the minor premiers. They're on 68 points. And they'll host a final, we, we believe, just depending on who they play. Sydney, second on percentage. Melbourne, third. Brisbane, fourth. Collingwood, fifth. They're all on the same points. But Sydney's percentage is just higher than Melbourne's. Collingwood, if they finish next to anybody, their percentage isn't good enough because they haven't won by enough. Fremantle sitting on their own. Um, and we'll have to see some other results because Brisbane's got a big game. Freo could end up in the top four. That's a possibility. Richmond can't. Richmond, in fact, will, will finish seventh or eighth. Now, Carlton are on 48, and they're 48 points, 108.8%. And the Western Bulldogs are on 44 points with 107.9%. Nobody else can make it. It's as simple as that. So if the finals were to be played today, uh, Lucas and I believe it would be as such with venues. Lucas will correct me if I get a venue wrong. It'd be Geelong hosting Brisbane at Cadinia Park, Sydney hosting Melbourne, probably, and given the press I saw today, SCG. Then, how's this, ladies and gentlemen? Carlton and Collingwood, <laughs> Carlton and Collingwood at the Triple MCG, possibly on a Saturday night, if you don't mind, but I would think Saturday day with a red footy. And then following on we're at twilight with a red footy as well to give Richmond a chance to travel back from Mantle hosting Richmond at Optus Stadium in Perth. So that's what we think. Now, the big I've been asking Lucas this all season, if Sydney beat St Kilda this week, and finish second, which they yeah so yeah that that's what it comes down to, David. If, if, if Sydney beats St Kilda, they will finish second. Um, no we'll, ifs or buts about it. Ju- just say they win their first final, yeah. Then I think discussions about Stadium Australia become huge, particularly if it's Collingwood or Richmond. Okay, um, so again, we think that the finals would be and please, Louis, tell me if I'm wrong. Geelong, yep. Brisbane, Thursday night, Cadinia Park. Yeah, because Geelong get the longest rest. Yep. Sydney and Melbourne Friday night at the SCG, which would actually be worth uh, a moat staying in Sydney the night and going to football the next day for for us. Sydney and Melbourne SCG Friday night. Carlton and Collingwood 
by difference of the fact that Collingwood finished fifth, daytime MCG, possibly two o'clock. Elimination final and twice and twice in and twice in three weeks. And tr- twice in three weeks. And then possibly at 2.40 Perth time, 4.40 or 5 o'clock our, our time, Fremantle and Richmond at Optus Stadium there. With their, their twilight, they could play that without playing under lights. And that would be the afternoon game. That gives Richmond a chance to get back. I don't think they'd move Freo and Richmond, as I discussed with you on Saturday night, Saturday, Louis. Just a faint thought in my mind, they may bring... Um, Sydney and Melbourne to seven and start cut from Andal and Richmond at eight forty and get have a double header on the Friday night. But I think they'll do it on the Saturday. So, are you happy where that sits? Assuming Carlton get through somehow. Yes, and that's all. That, that's all. That's in our own hands at the moment. That big game against Collingwood next week will be huge. But yeah, as we spoke about there, if Sydney beats St Kilda, they'll be guaranteed a second place finish, David. And, and then again, Melbourne v Brisbane on Friday night, which we'll get to shortly. It'll be a huge game as well. So just just for the draw for this weekend, I'm going to leave that ladder there. So um, I'm just going to go to the draw because uh, oh, I've got Tuke Miller's page open there with 36. And I'll talk about that in a minute. Louis, go. It. You I, go. I've you got, go. I, no? I've got it if you like. Uh, no, no, so no, no, Friday, no, no, no. It's all good, mate. I'm just flicking over. Here we go. So these are the games that matter. Friday night football at the Wallen Gabba, Brisbane and Melbourne. Okay. This game does matter now. So you would have thought this game would have had no bearing on the eight. It does. GWS hosting from the magnificent Monica Oval in Canberra, 145 on Saturday, about five degrees. North Melbourne and Gold Coast doesn't matter. Geelong and West Coast will be a bit of a procession. Geelong won't be able to rest plays because they've got to keep them fit. Essendon and Richmond, that's big for Richmond. Richmond have to win. The showdown, if you don't mind a showdown in the last round, whoever can spy to do that's mad. Then on Sunday, this game matters. This game's at York Park in Launceston. Hawthorne and the Western Bulldogs. At 4.40 is St Kilda and the Swans at Docklands. And then what a fit. That's a big 90,000 for this game. Carlton and Collingwood, 3.20 at the MCG. So Geelong, we, we know Geelong where they'll finish. Frio are guaranteed a spot, but it's a matter of where they finish. Fremantle could finish theoretically... Fremantle could finish in the top four if Melbourne or Brisbane lose, Collingwood lose, and Sydney lose. Fremantle would leapfrog them into third place if they won. Okay? And then we'll have a look at our tips. So, Louis, let's go with the tips that we think. I'm going to keep the ladder open. Yep. Geelong will, Geelong will beat the West Coast. They'll finish on 72. Great season, yep. 18 and four. I think Sydney will beat St Kilda at Docklands on Sunday. You agree? Yep. Okay. Melbourne and Brisbane on Friday night. What a game they've conspired to produce here. Holy cow. Who do you pick at the Gabba? Who do you pick? I, I, I think it's one of those games, David, that it favours the home side ever so slightly. Brisbane at home. Um, they'll be touch and go. Melbourne will be thankful for getting out of jail there against Carlton. Yes. What Melbourne, they don't, they don't have much to lose in this scenario, really, do they? They'd have to have results go significantly against them if they were to miss the top four, considering how good the percentages are at the moment. Um, I'd maybe just lean Brisbane due to it being played at the Gabba, but with no real confidence at all, really. Lucas, if Melbourne lose and Fremantle, Collingwood, Brisbane and Sydney win, they get pogoed right down there. That's how it's so exciting. They could end up a sixth. Okay. 
So Luki, Lucas has gone Brisbane against Melbourne. Um, the Gabba makes a big difference. I reckon it's a four or five goal difference to, to Brisbane. I would reckon that Melbourne will be up on the plane on Wednesday because it'll be a lot warmer than it is. They may have a captain's training run in the warmth in Brisbane somewhere. Though I find this very hard to pick. I'm going to pick Melbourne. Okay, just. There's no doubt in my mind that Collingwood will beat Carlton. They've just coming off a loss. No, Carlton aren't good enough. It's as simple as that. Fremantle will beat GWS. Richmond will beat Essendon. And then it comes down to Carlton, who I think will get beat. And then to the Western Bulldogs playing at York Park where the Hawthorne are a four-goal better side. Lucas, who you got in the um, Western Bulldogs and Hawthorne at York Park? Yeah, I, I, I think I'm thinking the Western Bulldogs, David. Um, Hawthorne could come out and play spoiler, but they're just getting some players back at the right time of the year. They're finding a little bit of form. Um, they've got some hot. They've got some players that played in big games in in their careers with other clubs before coming to the Western Bulldogs. I just think with it all on the line, Luke Beveridge has won big games as a coach, even though he's been under some pressure the last 24 months or so. I think the Western Bulldogs will get it done. Hawthorne, I've just been scrolling down while Louis has been talking. Hawthorne's got the third worst defence in the fourth worst defence in the comp. They've given away 1,904 points. This is an example, Port Adelaide, 1,583 against. It's quite amazing stat. I think the entire league would like to see Collingwood play Carlton in a, in a but I don't think that it would actually can eventuate. Um, I think the Western Bulldogs will win. Now, if those games go as we've just tipped, it'll be this order. Geelong, sorry, it depends on which way Luke, you go with Lucas and myself. Geelong, definitely first. Sydney, definitely second. Now, it's either Melbourne or Brisbane would go to third. Okay? Collingwood would go to fourth on the tips that we've given. In fact, Collingwood almost have to, they, they have to go to fourth if they beat Carlton. Collingwood go to fourth. From Mantle, if they win, would leapfrog the loser of Brisbane and Melbourne. So you'd have a top four of Geelong, Sydney, Brisbane or Melbourne, and Collingwood. Fremantle would go to fifth. Richmond could end up going to sixth. No, they can't. Richmond can't no, go no. to sixth. No. no, it becomes Melbourne or Brisbane would go to sixth and get go a home six, final. Yeah. Yeah. Richmond and away final, and then the Western Bulldogs. So Lucas, yeah, it's that. That's why that Melbourne Brisbane game is so massive, um, and I think the the league would love to see. Well, Collingwood, the way I see it, I don't think Collingwood is going to be knocked out of the top four. I think they're going to get a double chance, and that would create a Geelong and Collingwood game, Lucas. And if that happens, there's no way that'll be a Cadinia Park. Uh, it won't be, David. Let's. It will not at all. Um, my issue with it's realistic, isn't it? It, it? it definitely is, David, but my issue with Collingwood this week, and if that eventuates uh, in the first week of the finals, you've got both, both um, Charlie Kernow and Harry Mackay, as well as Cameron and Hawkins going up against Moore and Jeremy Howe. They really don't have that key defensive linchpin at the moment. Um, Jordan Ruff had re- announced his retirement earlier in the season, and last se- one of last season's tra- draft picks, Charlie Deans, had an uh, incredible run of injuries this season. So they really don't have that key lockdown defender. You've got Howe and Moore that like to play more as your third player of the top rather than your key your key defenders who can re- who can really lock someone away. Lucas, with Jamie Elliott coming back into some pretty good form, could you not put Brodie Majek back to centre-half back? 
you could, and I don't know if you know this, but he was actually drafted as a key defender. You told me that you yeah. told me that more than once when we've been talking Collingwood yeah. off air. That's why I'm thinking of it. Okay. Yeah. So you got my, my check could go back. They've done that in close games and they've tried to lock games down. But when he's when he's led and won Collingwood's Gordon Coventry Trophy as their leading goal kicker the last couple of years, um, to swing him back full time for a game or two, I don't, I just don't see them doing it because he's such an important cog to that forward line as well. Because yeah, yes, he is a key forward. But he's an undersized key forward. So when that ball hits the ground, he's the, he's defensive pressure um, compared to your more uh, generic, uh, in, in quotations there, key forwards is quite different. Okay. So, Lucas, just to let you know, this is what Lucas and I think will happen. We're tipping Geelong, Sydney, Collingwood, Frio, and Richmond. All of, We're both tipping both of, all of those sides to win. We're split on Melbourne and Brisbane, which has a dramatic effect on the eight. And I mean dramatic. Um, then we're also tipping the Western Bulldogs to tip Carlton out of the finals. Okay, so uh, that's a, it'll be really interesting. We'll know a, a lot more about the eight once Brisbane play Melbourne, um, which is a but, Friday night as well. So that is that's good right. for us on air on Saturday as well. But yes, if Collingwood sneak into the four in fourth, then Geelong will not be given the opportunity to play at Cadinia Park. I guarantee you, because there'll be sixty thousand Collingwood fans. Um, at the MCG, I guarantee you. Um, it'll be a massive occasion. So that's where we've got the ladder at. The rest of it doesn't matter now. Um, and uh, really, really interesting as we go, this is the best time of year to talk footy. Now, I've done it in a bit of homework, which will surprise Lucas Holmes, but um, the afl.com.au Brownlow predict, medal predictor is quite a bit different than the ESPN predictor. So on the ESPN predictor, everybody, the only people in the top eight or nine to get votes on the weekend were Jeremy Cameron, who's now to 20 and a half, um, and Callum Mills and Sam Walsh. Jeremy Cameron's got almost 21 votes as a key forward, and he will clearly win the Kaji Gibbs medal. That's an amazing performance. All of the top guys didn't get votes. So the ESPN's got Lockie Neal, 30, Clayton Oliver, 27, Andrew Brayshaw, 26, Patrick Cripps and Tuk Miller, 24, Christian Petraka on 23. However... And it's a big however. When you go to the AFL.com predictor, it's a very different story. They've got Fremantle's Andrew Brayshaw and my tip, Took Miller, both on 28. Now, Geelong belted the tripe out of Gold Coast on the weekend, but obviously didn't put any work into Took Miller. Arrogant, but that's what you can do when you're on top because he's got 30, he's run around, got 36 touches and picked up a couple of votes. So they've got Brayshaw. And, right. my, and my little bit of insight there, Mark, uh, Mark O'Connor was the sub as well. So they didn't uh, take that into account as well because O'Connor's done some work in a run with role um, in the past. And when we've done here, David, I've got some news on a run with role play and his career at your club as well. Uh, okay, thank you for that. Um, and uh, the other players in the in the AFL to, to get votes were the human meatball, Dion Prestia. We got a couple and Jeremy Cameron got a three in their votes because they're uh, regulation voting. So the AFL's got it as Brayshaw and Miller tied going into the last round. Now the Gold Coast, <clears throat> the, the Gold Coast have a real opportunity for to get Took Miller the football, to, to be serious with you, because they've got North Melbourne and anything could happen there, to be quite honest. Fremantle's got GWS so and, and Brisbane's got Melbourne. So fascinating if depending on which side you look at that. Lockie Neal's been on top of that ESPN predictor, I reckon, for 15 weeks or 14 weeks. 
I think it's between, and this isn't a big tip, I think it's between Brayshaw Miller, Neil Oliver and Petrucca. They're the ones that I think are going to come down to. I still think Miller will win. And remember, if he's playing North Melbourne on the weekend, he could get another 40 touches. He's, and he, he sure, Yeah, he sure could, David. It's great to see on the regular season as well as the Brownlow, even though it's an individual award, um, come right down to the end of the season as well. And, and in the AFL predicted, Took Miller from round 11. 2-3 two, by Blob, 2-2-2 two, 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 Blob, 3-3 three, three, dot uh, Blob 2. So that's quite extraordinary. And uh, so keep an eye on that. Of course, the Brownlow medal will be on the Monday before the grand final. A bit too late for me, but it'll be a fascinating um, fascinating night and very close. I think it could have come down to these last couple of rounds. Lucas, AFL Sydney. Let's go to AFL Sydney now briefly. Um, a big weekend for us and some fabulous football played. It, it sure is, David. Last weekend was a big one. It came down to the round 18 in men's Premier Division. Uh, action there with Pennant Hills and St George. St George, without their strike forward, Noah Casalini for three and a half quarters, um, got over the top of Pennant Hills. In the end, they kicked five, five or six goals in an end-to-end final term. And with results not going their way in the end, they'll take, they'll take part in an elimination final on Sunday. With Ina West, that game will be at 1.10 at Henson Park on Sunday. Uh, the, the following game on Sunday as well, 11-10, will be the, will be the Women's Premier Division preliminary final. That will, be, that will be the East Coast Eagles and Sydney University. Again, 11-10 on Sunday at Henson Park. And on Saturday, the Premier Division men's qualifying final, North Shore and Sydney University, who, in fact, played last weekend in the last round of the regular season. Yes, um, Sydney University women's side made me eat some humble pie yesterday. It's not the first time I've been made to eat humble pie this year. They were superb against North Shore. I tip North Shore, but Sydney University just shut them out. And again, we've had two women's finals within eight days of each other in dry weather on a good track. And two teams have been kept goalless. Remarkable defensive performance. But Sydney Uni were a different side yesterday. And what I'm, I think what Sydney Uni would love to think of is they can get past this weekend. I think they wouldn't mind another crack at Manly, just quietly. Uh, and I think that I think I know who they'd be going after from the first bounce as well, just quietly on and good search return. But no, Sydney University were different on the weekend. We spoke about it at yep. the time. Both Lucy Gilfeder and Steph Gillen immediately pushed up the grounds grounds, got their hands on the football, and when it come, came to contested marking inside their Ford 50, they went to work and their small forwards. Ran Kenny was superb in the midfield, and she pushed forward sure a little bit as well. Um, so, um, I think the men's finals will be very... I think North Shore and Sydney are very close. I think that they're... And remember that Sydney and he did the double on them. We called them in our solitary game at Gore Hill this year, where Sydney came from the death to beat North Shore, and then on Saturday, um, I, Sydney and he Gave them a little bit of a touch-up. The, the other, the elimination final is fascinating. You've got a big, strong, bulldozing side like in a West with some big men and some big targets. Ben Zoppo, who uh, congratulations, Ben won the goal kicking award. Luke Jemison, Ben Klemke. There's some big units there against a very fast, mobile St George side. If Tim Tag's not the best wingman in our league, I'll go. Hey, he was outstanding on the weekend. I think you'll find that Josh Shapo might end up with Kernan as company on. I thought Kernan was outstanding on the weekend. And and in their backs were terrific. Flanagan was great as well for St. George. I thought they were really, really solid. Um, Nabaki and Kerry worked for them. They're more unpredictable. Not, and there's no way Noah Castellini will be playing 
playing after doing a string. And it makes that forward line a little bit more unpredictable. And for inner west, keys will be Lagana, Evans. Be interesting to see if St. George put a tag on one of those two. Um, Tiziani was brilliant at Wagner Oval a few weeks ago and gives them a one-two punch with Zoppo. I thought Ty Hamilton was superb. And, yeah, you know, and Hamilton got the Rising Star nomination following that game as well. Did. So, yep. Look, they're both games fascinating. And the women's preliminary final, well, Sydney Uni will have had a good look at how East Coast played on the weekend. East Coast got a couple of injuries. They're struggling a little bit. Um, and Sydney University would give themselves a fair chance. What I don't know is if they... I would think that Esther Mailing might get Riley McGartland. That would be my first thought. I don't think they'd want Bella Gray to play that deep. They want Gray, who was outstanding yesterday at center halfbacks. You, if she and Sarah Carciano are the two best halfbacks in the league, I'll go walk on a plane. And I think they want Gray launching their attack yep. at Henson Park. She was just superb yesterday. Lucas, yeah. your thoughts on all three games? I won't ask you for a tip. We'll give that on air on Saturday on KO on the AFL Sydney Facebook page. Just your thoughts, please. Yeah, looking forward to it, Doug. Going back to that East Coast Sydney Uni game uh, quite, it, for a second, sorry. Um, we spoke to Bryony Parker a couple of weeks ago whilst we're at the ground at Henson Park. She succumbed to a knee injury and she said she could be touch and go for this weekend. That'll add another dimension to East Coast if they get Parker back running off half back and then going She's through the play. Yeah. Put the Get the bandage on at 75%. She'll give them something. Yeah, and that too. Actually, quite an interesting point there too with that. We saw Renee Tompkins. I spoke about this on air and gave a little bit of analysis about Renee Tompkins. Um, she spent a bit, fair bit of time on the ball and, and in the ruck in, in, in some instances. She also play, she predominantly, predominantly plays across half-back, where she's more well-known to play. But And with Sydney Uni having more key forward targets, unlike Manly did yesterday, they're sort of more mobile in their forward half. Rudolph is their sort of key forward, um, who's quite mobile uh, and str- more strongly built oh, and closer green. to the ground. And green and as green. well. Yeah, and green. But they're sort of quicker agile players rather than your bigger yep. um, more more musclier key forwards like McGartland is so that'd be interesting to see where Tompkins plays I'd probably tip across half back at the moment but those other two games David North Shore Sydney Uni we haven't saw we haven't seen those two sides play each other unless that game earlier in the season I think they would have hidden a, a fair few things on the weekend David um, thinking that it could be yep. the possibility that they play each other once more and then Inner West St. George, as you said there, Kern on the superb at fullback. Ben Zoppo. Um, you said there, Tim Tag was impressive. So too, Pat Tag. So, yep. And then you've got your own injury concern for Inner West. Oh, Frangle as well. Frangle was yeah. terrific. Frangle. Yeah, and where as soon as Castellini went off, Frangle just lifted a level, didn't he? And started. He was a terrific keeper. He's actually quite a good footballer. Remember, we've seen him play in the back line a bit. He was terrific as a, inside the 50-metre arc in attack for St. George, wasn't he? Yeah, and then you've got, for Inner West, you've got an injury concern of your own with Harper, who did that hamstring of his own a few weeks ago against UGS at Wagner. So he'd be touch and go. So a few uh, injury concerns for both sides. Castellini there, you think, wouldn't play at all. Um, doing a hamstring last week and then half of the week prior. So plenty of storylines to go through both games. Can't wait for next weekend, David. But six, six, five and six days away, cannot wait for it. Okay, just before we finish, everybody, yep. Lucas, our broadcast times on Saturday on KO and on the AFL Sydney Facebook page, please. First of all, Saturday. Saturday, uh, men's qualifying final, North Shore Sydney Uni, one twenty, Henson Park on Saturday, and then Sunday, 
women women's premier division pre- preliminary final 11-10 Sunday the 21st of August at Henson Park then the elimination final men's premier division St George in Inner West that game will be at 110 uh at Henson Park and then going in hopefully um, straight into that Collingwood Carlton game at three twenty, if all timings work out well. <laughs> Lucas said he's going to find somewhere to watch that before he heads home. Lucas, thank you so much. It's been our biggest podcast, about forty-seven minutes tonight. It's been huge, but there's been so much to talk about. Not a problem. Just before I go, David, yes. I, spoke, I spoke before about the GWS Giants. Three, yes. uh, sorry, two quick uh, news articles for you. Uh, key forward Jesse Hogan has signed a new two-year deal. I spoke to you about this during the week. Yep. Um, keeping him in the charcoal and orange till the, at least the end of 2024. He's 30 goals um, from 16 games this season and a retirement as well, David, a veteran of two clubs, the Fremantle and now the GWS Giants. Matt cool. DeBoer um, has announced his retirement. 223 games across 14 years. I think he's the last pure tagger for me that's now hung up his boots at the moment. The last one uh, to call Tom on his career. I would think that he'll end up in a coach's box. To be quite honest, I think he's a pretty smart guy. Righto, thank you so much for what's been a huge podcast. We've gone through a lot of subjects. Louis, thank you so much for your time. I look forward to catching up with you uh, on Saturday very much at Henson Park. Will do, David. Finals time, best time of the year for you and I in the commentary box. So cannot wait for it. Indeed. On behalf of Lucas James Holmes, this is David Redden. Goodbye, everybody. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Look after yourself. We'll see you shortly. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye.